It's Sunday, March the 14th, and we want to welcome you to the Winkler Berktaller Mennonite Church service. We trust that you have prepared your hearts as we have come together to worship the Lord. This morning, I'm beginning a new message series entitled, The Seven Claims of Jesus to Be the Great I Am. And this morning's message is entitled, "The Bread, Jesus, the Bread of Life, found in John chapter 6 verses 25 through 40. So we welcome you to this special time of worship together. that uh, you joined us for this morning's worship service. This morning, I want to extend greetings to all of you who tune in on this uh, station or channel, however you call it. Uh, We know that we have uh, not only our own people watching, but others in the town of Winkler. And we've even had messages from people in other parts of the world that say they tune into these services. So welcome to all of you who join us for them. This uh, Last few weeks, we have been introduced to spring weather again, and it's amazing. Wherever you go, it seems to put uh, a bit of a bounce in every one step, and people are happy to get out, and it uh, seems to encourage us to get up and and just live, and it's very exciting. This morning, we're going to hear the conclusion to Shar Epps' riveting children's story about Tim and Bunny in the, I think it's the jungles of... Columbia, am I right? I think so. And then also Steve and Paul, who got, uh, who flew away with the, with the gorillas. We're also uh, going to be listening to Pastor Dean this morning introduce a new series on uh, the seven claims of Jesus to be the great I am. And this morning he's going to be preaching on Jesus, the bread of life. So lots for us in this morning's worship service. I'm going to open with a reading from from the book of Isaiah, trying to stay in tune with uh, what Pastor Dean is preaching on, the greatness of our God. And I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 40, verses 8 to 18. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd, He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span 
and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the mountains Sorry, behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands as fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? This is the great God whom we love and serve and whom we will, are worshiping this morning. Let's just look at a few announcements before we turn to prayer. Our missionaries of the week this week are Preston and Myra Wheeler. He is involved in the Power to Change ministry uh, I was at a demonstration session uh, just this morning, and it was very good to encounter uh, men who are involved in this ministry and to hear the stories that they have to tell. There's an expression of sympathy here. Mar- uh, Martha Cleaver, Nee Nickel, of Mission BC, passed away on Monday, March 8th. She was a sister to Olga and Abe C. Friesen. So our sympathies to you, Olga and Abe. Then also, a note of thanks to our deacons. A big thank you to our deacons whose terms are fulfilled. Gerhard and Anna Friesen, Nick and Tina Friesen, John and Margaret Giesbrecht, and Ray Drieger have completed their terms of service in the deacon ministry. We thank you for your service to the church and your love for the church. You have encouraged, blessed, and strengthened us with your visits, your counsel, and your prayers. May the Lord bless you richly as you continue to engage in people's lives. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. May God bless you all. And then we also have a membership meeting tentatively planned for March 29. There's a little bit more in the bulletin, so I would encourage you to read up on that. And one other announcement about worship services We will only have one worship service at 9.15 this Sunday. We are looking at the option of another worship service, possibly Sunday evenings at 7.30. Discussions are ongoing, and more information will be coming out on that. So would you bow with me to pray? Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we can call you our God and our Father. We thank you for your word that reminds us of your your greatness. It reminds us that we um, should exercise humility in your presence because you are God and we are not. I thank you, Father, that you love us and that you have sent your Son to die on the cross that we might have life, that we might have forgiveness of sin and peace with you. Father, this morning we want to bring before you some of our requests. We pray, Father, for those who lead our church, those in the executive, uh, the church executive team. We pray, Father, that you'd give them joy and wisdom as they serve. We pray also, Father, for those who lead us in government, our municipal governments, our provincial governments, our national governments. Father, you know their need. You know the challenges that Uh, lie before them, we pray that you would also give them joy and wisdom to serve. And Father, we pray for our missionaries, Preston and Myra. We thank you for the opportunities that Preston has to reach out to uh, business business people all around and to form uh, groups that uh, worship together and and encourage each other together, uh, both in professional life and in their personal spiritual life. Thank you, Father, for that ministry and its far-reaching effects. I pray, Father, that you would continue to bless it. Father, we also remember today uh, the family and relations of Martha Cleaver. We think especially of Olga and Abe Friesen in our church. 
Father, would you grant the members of this family your comfort and your peace as they grieve. Father, we also thank you for the many willing servants in our church, and today we remember especially those who serve you in the deacon ministry. We thank you for that office. We thank you for those who are willing to serve in that office. And we pray, Father, that you would uh, encourage and bless those who have served, and then that you would also prepare more to serve in that capacity. It is a blessing to the church. Thank you for it. Then, Father, as we prepare for a membership meeting coming up, we pray that you would go before us, that you would prepare the way for a healthy, uh, robust, and good meeting uh, that we can speak together and, uh, and make decisions and un- unite ourselves around the decisions that we make. Thank you, Father, for uh, those meetings. May we be well prepared. Now, Father, as we give ourselves to you, uh, we pray that you would inhabit our hearts and our minds. We pray that you would put away the powers of darkness from us that distract us. And I pray, Father, that you would bless our minds with an attentiveness to worship, to sing, to pray, and to hear the word preached and apply it to our own lives. Thank you, Father, for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we will turn our attention to Pastor Harold as he leads us in this morning's singing. Good morning, everyone. Today we're going to sing a song. It's called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. song we're going to sing is called Shout to the North. Sing to broken hearts. 
sing is called hold the fort but when we sing this song there's a last phrase that says wave the answer back to heaven if you know jesus christ as your personal savior here's the answer so let's wave it back to heaven so if you're sitting down and you're watching take out your bible Tim and Bunny's house. 
One day, Tim saw, saw Alberto, the village chief, outside and asked the gorilla guarding them if he could talk to him. Sure, the guard said. Alberto was anxious to talk with Tim. He told Tim that the old ways and God's ways had been at war in his heart. Some Panamis of Colombia had always killed those who hurt them, and now guerrilla soldiers had come into the village and had taken captive the Panamis' friends, missionary Tim and Bunny, and the pilot Steve. The villagers tried to convince Alberto that the guerrillas should be killed. But Alberto remembered the teachings of Jesus. Love your enemies. Pray for those who hurt you. So Alberto couldn't sleep. All night long, there was this struggle in his heart. Shall we kill the guerrillas or should we love them? God's word seems strange to Alberto, but God tells the truth. And Alberto decided to listen to God. In the morning, he told his people, God does not want us to kill the guerrillas. That same morning, another Punabi chief from downriver came to the village. He also wanted to kill the guerrillas. But Alberto said, no, last night God told me to leave it in his hands. Alberto realized that if the chief had come one day earlier, Alberto and his people might have done the wrong thing. And as Alberto shared about the struggle he'd had, Tim encouraged him and the other Punabis that doing good to the guerrillas was the right thing. He showed them a verse in Romans, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Imagine the surprise of the guerrillas when a Punavi family brought them a big bowl of cooked food. Another Punavi gave them some ripe bananas, and another gave them a chicken. The girls could not figure out what was going on. They also couldn't figure out why the Punavis were not listening to them. The guerrillas held meetings every night to try and win the villagers over. Every night they told the Punavis how bad the missionaries were, but every night the villagers responded that the missionaries were not bad, and later each night... All the Punavi Christians would get together and pray that God would set Tim, Bunny, and Steve free. After several days, three more gorillas came to the Punavi village. Their leader came into the hut and ordered the missionaries, Pack a suitcase! We're going down river. By now, Steve, Tim, and Bunny could see that as long as they were near the Punavis, the gorillas would treat them well because of the villagers. But leaving the village? Well, it might mean that the gorillas were planning to hurt them. As the missionaries prayed, the Punavi chief Alberto went boldly to the new guerrilla leader. I invited the missionaries here, he declared. They're my responsibility. If they're going to leave, I'm the one that should send them. The guerrillas decided not to take the missionaries anywhere that day. The next morning, Tim, Bunny, and Steve woke up in fear that this was the day they would be harmed. You know, Tim said, we're just not completely trusting God. And Bunny and Steve agreed. It was hard not to be scared. And together they prayed, giving themselves to God for whatever might happen. And God's peace filled their hearts, and they felt ready for anything. And just then, a guerrilla leader came in and said, Get your stuff ready. We're going this time. News that the missionaries were being taken away spread quickly through the village. All of the Punavis gathered at the riverbank to see them off, not knowing if they would ever see them again. Some cried as Tim, Bunny, and Steve were commanded to get into a large canoe. The missionaries were taken to a hidden spot in the jungle and held prisoner. After nine days, Tim was feeling really low. God, he prayed, I'm a father, and I know there are times when my girls need me to pay special attention to them. Well, that's how I feel right now. I need you to let me know you love me. Steve asked, hey, what are you thinking, Tim? And Tim told Steve about his prayer. The next day, Sunday morning, Steve exclaimed, Tim, here's your answer. Look at the choir of birds. And on the branches of trees all around them sat big birds and little birds singing and chirping. The little birds usually flew away from the big birds, but not this morning. The missionaries counted 26 different kinds of birds, parrots, toucans, and even a big old turkey buzzard. The bird choir sang for three hours. Tim, Bunny, and Steve sang too, praising God. At noon, all the birds left. They watched for the bird gathering the next day, but it didn't happen. Nor did it happen the next day or the next until the following Sunday. This time, there were even more birds chirping, singing, and croaking. Again, they stayed until noon. When the missionaries pointed out the birds to the gorillas, the gorillas couldn't care less. But Tim, Bunny, and Steve were thrilled that their Heavenly Father had sent the birds to show them he loved them and cared for them. One day, the girls took the three missionaries back to the Punavi village so the villagers could see that they were all right. 
Tim was glad to hear that the Christians were meeting together regularly, teaching others, and praying always that God would release the prisoners. You will be set free, Alberto said, because we have prayed. The missionaries were told how bad the Panamis felt when they were taken away. It was like one of our children had died. We didn't feel like eating. We would walk by our empty house and feel so sad. On the way back to the jungle camp, the guerrilla commander was very quiet. This was the first time he had actually seen the Panavis and the missionaries together. The next morning, he had asked them the question that had been burning in his mind all night. What makes the Panavis love you so much? Tim didn't give him an easy answer. He just said, ask them. After another week, the missionaries were told a plane was coming for them, and they were taken back to the village to wait for it. They waited six days, but no plane arrived. So the gorillas took them back into the jungle again. The next morning, they heard a plane flying overhead. Then what a mad scramble. They were rushed to the village airstrip. As they neared the airstrip, the gorillas blindfolded them so they couldn't see the plane or the pilot. They were not sure where they were being taken or what would happen to them next. That night, they were held in a different camp. The next morning, the commander went with them again on a six-hour speedboat ride down the river. There they waited and waited, even though they weren't sure what they were waited for. Finally, a boat came that was almost too big for the river. People from the government were on the boat, and the missionaries were being released. The commander said goodbye with a firm handshake. Tim was shocked to see that the commander looked as if he cared. Were those tears in his eyes? Had something touched his heart while they were being held captive? In Bogota, friends and family were waiting for the captives to be returned. After 33 days of being held captive, Tim, Bunny, and Steve walked through the door. Can you imagine the excitement? There was laughing, crying, talking, and hugging. But most of all, there was rejoicing and praising God for the work that he had done. Can you imagine? This is a real story. These are real people. Paul, the pilot, we had breakfast with him one day. And the, God, and the God that they trusted, he also is very real. He knows us. He loves us. He sent his son for us. He understands what we are going through. And he cares for us like his children, like in the way he sent the birds for the missionaries while they're being held captives. He also has given us his word, the Bible. It's there to encourage us, like the missionaries, when they remembered what God had done in the past and the promise he has for us now and for the future. And it also instructs us, like the missionary or like the um, like the tribal chief, Alberto, who prayed to know what to do. It helped him know what was right and wrong. And it also can tell us what's right and wrong and help us in our situations. And he's also given us each other. We are here to pray for one another, to encourage one another, and to care for each other. And not just for people in our family or church or community, but to pray for um, people worldwide, there are people right now that are in prisons because of their faith and their love for Jesus that could really use our prayers for them. There are people who don't know Jesus that we need to pray for and and be open to being someone to go and share Jesus with them. So thank you so much for letting me share this story with you over the last five weeks. I've really enjoyed this story. It is a very good story. You know, there are so many good stories like this out there. Um, and I'm sure our library has some good books. And if you need some suggestions, we've also um, read some really good stories together as a stories that encourage us to have faith and to believe that God is in control and is working in all situations. So have a great week and thanks again. Good morning. This morning's scripture reading is from John 6 verses 1 to 24. It's entitled, Jesus Feeds the 5,000. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. This is the Sea of Tiberus. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up to a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 
It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fishes. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled the twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The next day the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberus landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum to search for Jesus. Thus far the reading of the Lord's Word. This morning I want to begin a message series in in the Gospel of John entitled The Seven Claims of Jesus to Be the Great I Am. The New Testament clearly points out that Jesus' character and attributes were the same as the God of the Old Testament. That is because he is God in the flesh. And that is exactly who he claimed to be in the Gospels. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 13, Uh, verse 13, Moses speaks to the Lord and asks this. Listen as I read that portion of scripture. Verse 13 and 14, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. Then J. H. Hofmeer states this, Moses is not demanding to know God per se, but the character behind that name. God's answer supports this because he does not say Yahweh, according to verse 14, but interprets the name I am who I am, and this may appeal to his infinite existence, the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Jesus claims to be the infinite, an infinite existence. Jesus claims to be an infinite existence because not only did he exist before the foundations of the world was laid, but he laid the foundations of the world. The first chapter of John's gospel communicates this. Here are the seven I am's of Jesus that we will be examining over the next seven messages that I will bring. John chapter 6 verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. 
He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Then John 8, verse 12 says this, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then in John 9, verse 5, he says, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. John chapter 7, 10, verse 7 says this, Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Then in John chapter 10, verse, uh, verses 11 through 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. John chapter 11, verse 25 says this, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. John fourteen six. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then we go to John chapter 15, verse 1 and 5. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you will notice, each of these statements applies to the spiritual needs that are that each each of us has. And Jesus is the only one who can meet and satisfies these needs. The reason he can say this is because he is the creator of you and I. This then is the background to the seven-part series. This morning's take, uh, take your Bibles with me and turn to John chapter 6, verses 25 through 40. As I read that portion of Scripture, John chapter 6, verses 25 through 40, and it says this. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You were looking for me not because you saw the miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval." Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous signs then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. From the bread, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from, from now on, give us this bread. And then Jesus declared to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we give you thanks for the beautiful weather that you have given us. We thank you for the spring that is coming quickly. And Lord, we thank you more than ever, anything that you are the creator of all this. And you are the creator of each person who is watching and each person who is here. 
I thank you, Lord, that you guide and you lead. And of course, you maintain uh, your goodness to us through sending your son into this world. And thank you once again that Jesus is the bread of life. And when we put our faith in him, that he lives within us and he gives us eternal life. I pray now that as we look into your word once more, that you would open up us, open up the scriptures to us so that we can fully understand and we can apply what we learn today to our lives. Thank you once again for letting us come and worship together. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Whenever we are physically hungry, we always look for some way to fill the inner void. There are many restaurants that can help us this way. As we go to them, they fill the longings on the inside when we need food. Now, you may notice that over the last number of years, things have been changing, and everybody has been eating, or supposedly eating, a little bit healthier. In one particular community, one restaurant was selling deep-fried unhealthy food, but it tasted great. And one day, a new restaurant opened up and put a large sign up that read, Eat Healthier and Live Longer. The restaurant owners who sold the greasy food wondered what they were going to do to combat this because now they were going to be losing business. Then they, then they came up with a, a new idea, and that was to put a sign which read, Eat here and die happy. We all know that food satisfies our hunger. The fact is that we are all on a quest to have our longings and our deepest needs met. In the realm of physical hunger, only food will fill that void. And in the realm of spiritual hunger, only Jesus will will satisfy that emptiness. I've entitled this message, The Bread Bread of Life. And in the Bread of Life, we find this. The bread of life reveals false motives found in verses 25 through 27. Once people realized that Jesus could perform miracles, they followed him everywhere he went. And according to the beginning of John chapter 6, Jesus had fed the 5,000 people just the day previously. And remember, when they counted the people in that culture, they only counted the adult males and not the women and children. So there could have been as many as 10, 15, or 20,000 people who came to hear Jesus speak, and then Jesus fed them with the little boy's lunch of five five barley loaves and two fish. The barley loaves were not like our bread that we have today. They were the size of a small bun that was squashed down flat, and the fish were probably the size of just little sardines. It was only enough lunch to fill a young boy. And when the people saw the miracles of Jesus multiplying the bread and the fish to feed the crowds, they immediately wanted to take Jesus by storm and make him their king. That's why Jesus withdrew withdrew to the mountain, and then he crossed the lake of Capernaum. No sooner does he get to the other side and the people rush around and follow him over there. There, this is when Jesus reveals their real motives. When they ask Jesus how he got to the other side of the lake, Jesus doesn't tell them. Instead, he says, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me not because you saw the miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. The whole point was that many of the people following him were following because he had fed them. They wanted Jesus to supply their earthly food. As a matter of fact, they saw Jesus as the miracle worker, and if they just followed him, he would take care of all their physical needs. However, the reason why Jesus came was to supply their spiritual needs. That was primary Life is so much more than just eating and being satisfied physically. That's why Deuteronomy chapter 3 verse 8 says this in regards to the food. He humbled you, causing you 
hung to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your father had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Real meaning in life does not come from food or our physical senses receiving a buzz, but rather from God meeting our inner spiritual needs. Then Jesus goes one step further. He says this, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus is not advocating that people become lazy and not work to provide for themselves food, clothing, or shelter, but this should not be their primary pursuit of life in life. No matter how much or how rich and how well one lives in this life, each person will die one day. This life does not last forever, and in contrast, it's very brief and it's short. What each person needs to be working for is the food that endures to eternal life. Notice that Jesus takes every physical need, uh, that Jesus takes the everyday physical needs to point out what the eternal spiritual need is. He entices the people to follow him. For, uh, that were following for the wrong reasons to look to him for their spiritual needs. So not only do, uh, so not only do we see that Jesus is the bread of life, reveals false motives, but we find second, secondly that Jesus, the bread of life, number two, reveals the work of God. Verse twenty-eight and through twenty-nine. The people recognize that recognize that they that God had re, had requirements. People are no different um, in the past as they are compared to today. The majority of all people think that that they want to win God's favor to give eternal life. That they need to do some type of work. That's what all the religious systems of the world teach. They teach that a person can do something in order to earn salvation. On the other hand, Christianity is the only one that reveals God is reaching down to sinful man. The person then asks Jesus, what must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Jesus' response to their question was the exact opposite of what they expected. Rather than doing some good works, all they needed to do was to have faith and believe. In other words, it was to put their trust in him, and it was the Father who sent Christ and put his approval on him. However, this was too simple for them to believe. This leads us now to our third point. Jesus, the bread of life, number three, reveals false assumption about the past. Verses 30 through 34. The people knew that Jesus' teaching was something different. So they demanded a sign from him. These people failed to understand that faith comes from... uh, comes before seeing something, or it is not faith. Instead, these people want to see another sign so that they would believe. Immediately, they turned to Moses as an example. The people thought that the miracles that Moses did were greater than the ones that Christ performed. Moses fed the whole nation with manna from heaven for 40 years while Christ fed the 5,000. So they, so if Jesus was claiming to be more than Moses by being one, being the one of God, being the one that God had sent and set his approval on, then the people were demanding another sign. Jesus now goes a step further in explaining. He says, I tell you the truth. This is a solemn revelation. Revelation. He corrects their faulty and wrong thinking. He points that it was not Moses who gave them the manna from heaven, but rather God himself. Secondly, the bread that Jesus is giving 
them is far superior to the manna that came from Moses because this bread that Jesus gives gives eternal life. Immediately the people wanted this bread. And they say, Sir, from now on, give us this bread. Jesus has now whet their appetites so that they would inquire about the way to receive eternal life. So this now brings us to our last thought of Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus, the bread of life, number four, reveals that he is indeed the bread of life. Verses 35 through 40. Now Jesus openly declares to them that he is the bread of life. And he says this, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus now corrects their faulty, their two faulty conclusions. First, the food that Jesus is talking about is not physical food, but rather a person. Jesus is the one sent from heaven because he is the spiritual food that everyone is searching for. He is the only one who can give eternal life. He is the only one that can bring satisfaction. And second, fully, or pardon me, second, those who come to be fully satisfied are those who partake. This is because of the relationship that they experience with Christ. The deepest longing and yearning is spiritual, and that is to have a relationship with God. Then Jesus makes another bold claim, that they will never thirst again. Wow! They will never have to run after the things of this world to have the deepest, have their deepest longings met. Let me ask you a question this morning. When you are bored... Or lonely? Where do you go and what do you do? Many people in our world who do not know the Lord will turn to drugs, alcohol, food, sex, entertainment, cults, or some other vices of the world to find the satisfaction to meet the deepest longing of their hearts. These other things are only satisfied for the moment, and then the hunger comes once again. However, for us, who are believers, we also many times falls into the same predicament. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he says that when one comes and walks in close fellowship with him, they will be filled with joy and fulfillment. They are satisfied and they have true meaning in life and in the life to come. If you have found your joy has dissipated, chances are that you have not been walking close with the Lord. That goes for me as well. When I find that my longings are not being met, it's because I am not walking close with the Lord. Let's resolve today that you and I will return to a close walk with Christ by placing him first in our lives, in everything that we do. I want to close with this last quote from S.D. Ayer. And he says this from his book, Drawing Close, to God. The human heart has an innate hunger for God. Psychoanalyst Gerald May writes in his book, Addictions and Grace, and he says, after 20 years of listening to the yearning of people's hearts, I am convinced that all human beings have an inborn desire for God. Whether we are consciously religious or not, this desire is the deepest longings and the most precious treasures. Quiet times allow us to properly address that hunger. Then he says this, Just as we can't live without daily bread, we can't live without a daily feeding on the life of our Creator and our Savior. God's Spirit inside believers creates a taste for Him. Through His, His work inside our hearts, we come to relish His Word. It becomes sweeter than honey, found in Psalm chapter 19, verse 10. It is the spiritual milk that causes us to grow up in our salvation, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. 
Truly, Christ is the only one who can satisfy as we walk with him, as we place our faith in him, through our ups and downs. And although we go down, we come up. But whether we were up or down, we walk with his strength and he meets us at every place in our lives. I encourage you to continue to surrender your life to him each day and that you walk by his grace and his strength. The last song we're going to sing, and thank you for singing with us, is Here I Am to Worship. The benediction is found in Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace that you have given to each people. We thank you, Lord, that you are the bread of life. We thank you that you satisfy us when we walk close with you and when we are obedient. I pray, Lord, that you would draw each one of us closer to you. Help us to realize that we are happiest. We have our longings filled the closer we walk with you in everything and each part of our lives. Now I pray, Lord, you would go with us as we go our separate ways. We pray that your hand would be upon us and may you be glorified in everything we do and say. For this we pray. Amen.